Paul writing to the uh, church in Corinth. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 13, and I'm reading from the NIV. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. For love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know him in part, but then I shall know him in fullness, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, today I'm curtailing my message because we wanted to allow time to begin to get to know Jonathan. And there will probably be people heading off to family gatherings or lunches or whatever happens on this day. I'm also aware that it is a day of complex emotions, isn't it? It's traditionally a day of thanksgiving and recognising mothers, but for some it can be a difficult day of grief and loss and heartache. So we hold together all of that complexity of the emotions that a day like this arouses. And I pray that we'll be encouraged today, whether we are mothers or not, whether women or men, and whether we have positive experiences of this day or not. Have you ever thought about the mother heart of God? Our world tends to be dominated by images of God as father, and the images of the nurturing and caring God who holds us and grieves with us and laughs with us are less common. It's important to say that God is actually beyond gender. And the gender pronouns that we use, like he and his, which are featured in the Bible, are simply metaphors or descriptions to help us understand something about God. But God is always beyond the limits of our language. However we describe God, 
there is always more. So what we say about God will be incomplete. And in an ancient patriarchal culture, it is not surprising that God was referred to in masculine terms. Jesus called God Father. But the Bible does not refer to God exclusively in masculine terms, even if that is the predominant way in which God might be referred to. In the Bible, you will find images and descriptions of the fatherly God who also has motherly compassion and love. So here are some biblical verses that give us a picture of the mother heart of God. They come from the Bible, so this is okay. Jesus used the image of a mother hen gathering her chickens as a powerful image of God's desire to gather everyone into his loving embrace. So Jesus was looking over Jerusalem. He was weeping over Jerusalem. And he said, O Jerusalem, I have longed to gather your children the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you refuse to be gathered. Then in Psalms, we read in Psalm 91, God will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. From the prophet Isaiah, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I, God, will not forget you. Could you help me please, Charlie? I don't think it's going on. There we are. Thanks. And then again from the prophet Isaiah, uh, God's words, as one whom a mother comforts, so I will comfort you. So God is actually saying, I'm like a mother and I will comfort you. And then from Deuteronomy 32, God reminds the Hebrew people, you ignored the rock who bore you and forgot the God who gave birth to you. God giving birth. How much like a mother is that? But it's in Hosea 13. You would know about the fierce, protective love of a mother. You know, don't you dare touch my children or I'll get you. Uh, that fierce, protective love. So this is God speaking to uh, his people. It was I who fed you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. When I led them, they were satisfied. They were satisfied and their heart was proud. So this is what God said he would do to them. I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. So God is likening himself to a mother bear. And will tear open the covering of their heart. There I will devour them like a lion, as a wild animal would mangle them. So we, you, you see the picture that is built up of God uh, in this mothering way as well as fathering way. And that fierce, strong love of a mother that will do anything to protect her brood. 
Now, in the Corinthians chapter 13, a chapter that we often hear read at weddings, but it's not the only time that we should hear it read. That's why I wanted it today. We have another picture of God and his love described. It is the love that was expressed in Jesus and the kind of love that we are to have. It's like a standard to measure ourselves against or a combination of qualities that amplify what it means to love. The Greek word used in the original writing is agape, the highest form of love. Now, in English, we only have one word, love, to cover things like, I love chocolate or whatever else you might love, or I love reading, or I love exercise, or I love my football team, I love soccer, as Jonathan said. So we use love in all those ways to cover it all. But in Greek, there are four words to cover different kinds of love. There's eros, which is the passionate, romantic, sexual love, and it's where we get the word erotic from. Then there's storge, which is family love, the love between a parent and child, a brother and sister, love of a grandparent. We have philia, the kind of love that exists in close or deep friendship. And then... There's agape, the highest form of love. And 1 Corinthians 13 is about that agape love. A self-giving, unconditional love. A love that gives without expectation of receiving back. It gives because it can do nothing else but give. That is the essence of that kind of love. As a measure of our capacity to love in that highest way, perhaps we could put our own name into verses 4 to 7 of 1 Corinthians. I'm not sure that that's working, Chuck. There, yeah, thank you. So where I have the gaps, I want you to put your own name as I read it. Just say your name to yourself, or if you want to say it aloud, you can. And uh, just see what happens as we think about love in this way. Your name, you are patient and kind, is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, does not demand your own way, is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged, does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. How did you go? Can you tick every one of those? Now there might be some where you say, well, okay, I do all right with that. I think I've got a reasonable amount of patience. But there might be another one. Um, do I get irritable? Yes. And we can go through it like that. So all in all, it gives you this wonderful picture of love. And it's placed in the context of Paul writing to the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts. Now, the Corinthian church was gifted. 
but they had problems. And Paul says, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how spiritual you think you might be, no matter what you say or what you believe or what you do, without love, it means nothing. And this is where the spirit comes in. Because Paul writes about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians and how they are to be used. They are to be used and expressed in love. The Holy Spirit dwells deep within us in a slow, quiet and patient work of transformation. As we invite the Spirit to grow this kind of love in us. You know, it might take a decade uh, for God to work on my patience. It might take him a year, or it might only take him a week to work on something else. But all the time, the Holy Spirit goes on deep within us, growing that kind of love. And notice that it's not about love as a feeling. You may not feel love towards a person who irritates you, but you can act in a loving way towards them in the context of what we've heard about love. Now, I'm sure that we will all know people who exemplify that kind of love or aspects of it. A memory might come to your mind of someone you know or have known who is that kind of loving person. Earlier this year, I attended the funeral of a woman I had come to know at the Northern Community Church of Christ in Preston, where I had been pastoral care minister for several years. She was a few years older than me, but sadly had spent about five years in aged care with dementia. But up until she was 70, and she died when she was 78, up until she was 70, she fostered over 100 babies. She was married with a family that had three children when early in her life she decided to take in babies, some as young as two or three days, to give them the care that their birth mother, for whatever reason, could not give. Some of the babies were born drug affected or ill and she would patiently care for them as they were weaned off the drugs or needed medical attention. Some of the phone calls would come in the middle of the night because emergency care had to be arranged and she would take them in. She nurtured and raised over 100 babies until the time came for their adoption, sometimes months later, sometimes maybe a year. She would spend time with the adoptive parents, helping them get to know this little one whom she had nurtured. She said it was always hard releasing the babies into the care of another family. Something in her was broken every time she handed over a baby. But she stayed in contact if the adoptive parents wanted that. At her funeral, there were messages read out which came from some of the families who had adopted the babies or children that this woman had cared for. Some of the messages came from adults who had been the babies that she had cared for. Beautiful messages of appreciation. 
You know, she was nominated for an Order of Australia Award for what she had done. But she declined, and this is what she said. There are other people more deserving than me. I don't need an award for what I have done. She lived love in action. She lived that kind of agape love. Love that does not brag and is not proud, is not self-seeking, but seeks what is best for the other person. She sought and gave what was best for those children and then she gave what was best to their adoptive families. She also gave what was best to their birth mothers, some of whom she did have contact with. During the week, John Vanier, a Canadian theologian and Christian humanitarian died. He founded LASH, an international movement of communities for people with intellectual disabilities. He wrote some 30 books on spirituality and community. And there are about 140 large communities throughout the world, including five in Australia, one being in Bendigo, and one in Melbourne at Black Rock. In his book, Community and Growth, he says, love does not mean doing extraordinary or heroic things. It means knowing how to do ordinary things with tenderness. And that is something that we can all do in our daily life, wherever we are. We can do it in our families, ordinary things with tenderness. We can do it in our workplaces. We can do it in our neighbourhoods with our neighbours, wherever we might be. So may we be inspired and encouraged to express that kind of love, not only on Mother's Day, but every day, because in Jesus' words, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. May you give and receive love, not just today, but every day.